Breaking news, the New York Times, a former newspaper, has a headline today, Donald Trump is not Hitler. Yes, you heard it at the New York Times, Donald Trump is actually not Hitler, in spite of the little mustache and the fact that he speaks German all the time. Here's the amazing thing, there are now, there's this breaking scandal going on, started with the Hill newspaper, that the Russians were passing millions of dollars into the Clinton Foundation that may have been meant to influence her so she would approve of their buying up 20% of our uranium supplies. There's a great story out of the EPA of how they're taming the EPA and the regulatory monster there. Are, is the media covering any of that? No. No. Why? Because they are destroying themselves by seething in their own hatred, and we have the videotape. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> All right. Also, you remember the dossier where with the urinating Russian hookers and Donald oh, Trump? Yeah. yeah, sure. Well, guess what? There was more to that story than meets the eye. And Lee Smith, the senior editor at the Weekly Standard, will be here to talk about it. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is the Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky dunky. Life is tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky doo. Ship shaped, tipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! I, you know, Seriously, Austin, these weeks go by so quickly. I, I, I know. Rush Limbaugh, he says he has the fastest week in show business. I think yeah. I'm starting to get faster than Limbaugh. I just, it's really the Clavenless weekend. We are already, it's, all, uh, it's only the semi Clavenless weekend because, first of all, I'm doing Knowles' show after this. That's one thing. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got another Kingdom. Episode two comes out Friday, tomorrow. Episode two comes out Friday. It's a story that Knowles is the actor in. Right? I think that's what? ending a sentence with a preposition. Knowles performs Another Kingdom, a story about a Hollywood nudnik, a kind of failed screenwriter who walks through a door and finds himself a murder suspect in a bizarre fantasy land. We put up episode one. It has now got over 100 uh, comments, uh, all five stars. All five, and I'm not doing it. I'm not. Yeah. So we're not. We're not. We, we ask people, if you're listening, I hope you will listen. And if you listen, please subscribe on the iTunes channel. Please leave reviews. It helps us so much. It's, it's one thing for me. I'll, I'll get by. But Knowles is on the street. He's living on the street. It's sad. I mean, just you've got to support yeah. him. All right. Uh, what else? You should subscribe here, too, of course, for a lousy 10 bucks a month. We had a good mailbag yesterday. That was really, really good. The questions have elevated somehow. I think it's because we've described how to do it now, how to put your questions in. Excellent questions, but you got to subscribe to be part of the mailbag. If you subscribe for a year, it's only 100 lousy bucks, and you get the leftist tears tumbler. And after drinking your leftist tears, you don't want leftist tears to stain your teeth. You know, I always hate I always hate doing ads that are meant to make you feel insecure, like oh, you know, is your smile dim and all this stuff. But you do want a nice smile, and I have found, and I was told this by the lady who cleans my teeth at the dentist. I said, my teeth are getting gray. What do I do? She said, use an electric toothbrush, and I did, and it worked, and it really it really worked, really worked well. Obviously, you get them cleaned at the dentist, but then the electric toothbrush. 
keeps your, it just does a better job of keeping your teeth clean. The problem is the electric toothbrushes you normally buy are the size of bazookas. They are so huge and you can't take them with you when you travel and they always have to sit there and recharge and all this stuff. But Quip is the answer. Quip is this beautifully designed, somebody called it, it's like the Apple design of a, an electric toothbrush. It's sleek, it's nice, you can carry it around, it's battery operated so you're not constantly having to recharge it, and you can even subscribe with Quip and you get a new, new brush heads every three months, which is also something that they told me you have to do. You gotta change the brush heads on your electric uh, toothbrush, it's only five bucks, and that includes free shipping. Quip is backed by leading dentists and was named as one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2016. They won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award and made it onto Oprah's 2017 New Year's O-List. And Quip starts at just 25 bucks. I really, I really like these things. I really like the whole electric toothbrush thing, and I hate those <laughs> tremendous bazooka size. So right now, you go to getquip.com. You got to do that. It's getquip.com, not just Quip. Getquip.com, and you put in slash Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N, and uh, that will get you your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. And also, it tells them that we sent you, which is really good for us. So that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Clavin, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Clavin. You will have a brighter smile and you will like it. It will be good. You will say, oh, this is good. So, you know, I, I hate, here's, here's the thing. There's this story broken. I read about it. I read it on the show yesterday that the Russians were funneling millions of dollars into Hillary Clinton's, uh, you know, uh, what it was, the Clinton Foundation. And during this time, Clinton was Secretary of State, and she approved the sale of 20% uh, of our uranium supplies to Putin. The thing is that what The Hill is now reporting is the FBI knew and reported it to the Justice Department, and so the Obama administration knew. That means Eric Holder knew. That means Robert Mueller, who was the FBI head, knew. Is now the, he's now the special prosecutor investigating Trump, and they didn't do anything about it. This, they hid this. It seems like. It, seemed, it really is uh, disturbing. It seems like they covered it up. What is the media covering? They're covering whether Donald Trump said something untoward when he called made a condolence call to a Gold Star family. I mean, this is, this story, I, th this story is trash. It is a trash story. And I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna cover it a little just to show you why it's trash, but also to show you why it's so bad that the media is like seething in its own hatred. You know, there was a, a poll recently that says something like 46%, was it? I think it was 46% of people now believe that the media is making up stories about Trump. They're making up stories about Trump. And the reason they believe that is because the media is making up stories about Donald Trump. They believe it because it's true. And the thing is, the, the, very, the trick that they use is they take everything they say, he says and they just give it the worst possible spin. And it never occurs to anybody to say, what? just parse that for me. What exactly were you saying? Did you say, as they now say, that Obama never called uh, gold star families, or did you mean that, you know, you don't always call gold star, star families, but they don't do that. They purposely don't clear it up. And now this uh, Florida congresswoman, Frederica Wilson, this is a woman who has been calling for Trump's impeachment since the first day he was in office and predicting he's going to be impeached and saying he must be impeached. She's that person, okay? She's just, she just hates the guy. And so she says Donald Trump called uh, the parents of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, who was one of the four 
uh, army guys who were killed in this Niger ambush. They're out there fighting Boko Haram, just one of the worst Islamist groups ever. I mean, they, I, every, I, I like the fact that every one of these groups has a different name, but they're all Islamist groups, okay? So he called, and he said, she says he said to her, said something insensitive. Here she is just reaming him. This is on MSNBC, but she has been everywhere, CNN too. He was almost like joking. He said, well, I guess you knew he, something to the fact that he knew what he was getting into when he signed up, but I guess it hurts anyway. You know, just matter-of-factly. Um, that this is what happens. Anyone who is signing up for military duty is signing up to die. And uh, that's the way we interpreted it. And, and it was horrible. It was insensitive. It was absolutely crazy and un unnecessary. Now, is there really, with this, with this Russia story, with a story, uh, a wonderful story out of the EPA that they have stopped this con man practice they had of suing, of, of having people sue. It was called sue and settle. They would sue a state for something it was doing, and then they'd settle so that the EPA would get even more power in the settlement. And then the EPA would say, well, we can't do anything because we've made the settlement, so we have to follow these rules. They've ended that practice. It was an absolute con game that the EPA was running. <laughs> Donald Trump said to the parents, you know, he signed on for this. He knew what he was signing on for, but I guess it really hurts anyway. I, I, first of all, maybe that's not the most articulate thing to say. Okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. He's not the most articulate guy. But what does he, does anybody, does anybody think that Donald Trump has no feeling for the military? I mean, this is the guy, remember, remember how Obama would have Marines hold an umbrella over him, you know, stand there holding an umbrella over them as if they were the butler? <clears throat> remember how Donald Trump, when the Marines' hat blew off, the president of the United States, Trump, went and retrieved his hat and put it back on his head twice, right? I mean, does anybody think that this is a guy who doesn't care about the military? Obama gutted the military. You know, Trump is trying to build the military back up. So he said, he said, you know, I, I know he signed up for this, but I guess it hurts anyway. In other words, we all, every soldier knows when he takes this job that he is risking his life, but when it happens, it is still awful. That's obviously what he was saying. That is obviously what he was saying. And how is this? So really, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House spokeswoman, she said everything that has to be said about this. I think it is appalling uh, what the congresswoman has done and the way that she's politicized this issue and the way that she is trying to make this about something that it isn't. Uh, this was a president uh, who loves our country very much, who has the greatest level of respect for men and women in the uniform, and wanted to call and offer condolences to the family. And I think to try to create something from that that the Congresswoman is doing is frankly appalling and disgusting. So let's say, let's just cut off the crazy left for a minute, because I know we love to concentrate on the crazy left because they're so crazy, and you have to concentrate on them because they will eat their way into the heart of American society if you don't stop them. But still, just cut those people off. Let's say that's 10, 15% of the people. The rest of the people, if they took a breath, if they calmed down for a minute, would anyone believe, you know, maybe if you're f f further left you are, the more you hate Donald Trump, you might say, wow, this guy's an oaf. You know, maybe this guy can't even speak. He can't speak right now. But does anybody really believe that this is a big news story, that this is something that needs to be politicized, that the grief, the grief that these people, these parents of, of our heroes, the guys who are out there fighting to keep us free, the grief they must feel. I'm sure there's nothing a president can say that is going to make anything, you know, make it any better. 
does that really have to become a news story? So, okay, so she's politicizing this thing. The congresswoman is politicizing this thing. And Trump says, you know, go ask, go ask John Kelly, the general who's now his chief of staff, go ask John Kelly about his son because his son was killed in Afghanistan, Robert. And uh, Donald Trump made a very beautiful speech on Memorial Day at um, Arlington National Cemetery and, and talked about how he grieved with uh, John Kelly and all this stuff. But Obama never called John Kelly, apparently. And, uh, and Trump talked about that on Fox Radio. I think I've called every family of somebody that's died, and it's the hardest call to make. And I said it very loud and clear yesterday. The hardest thing for me to do is do that. Now, as far as other uh, representatives, I don't know. I mean, you could ask General Kelly, did he get a call from Obama? You could ask other people. I don't know what Obama's policy was. I write letters, and I also call. So, so okay, I, I just I have to play this right. So they they have this woman Frederica, you know uh, Wilson on. She's on every station. She's politicizing this phone call. She's making a big deal of it. She's calling the Niger killings, uh, Trump's Benghazi. You know, no evidence of anything like this at all. We don't know anything really about it. it needs to be investigated. We need to find out more about it. But the call of Trump's Benghazi is absurd and ridiculous. I don't even know why that has to fill up airspace. So now Trump says this about John Kelly. And here's Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough does the thing saying, you know, the media shouldn't be covering this. We have to cover important things like health care and all this. So we have to cover this. But while we're talking about it, and then he says this. Do you think, Mika, if we have to talk about what's happened over the past several days on this story, I think we have, it would make more sense to talk about what the president did to the chief of staff and his wife and their daughter-in-law and their grandchildren and their family yeah. uh, when the, the president dragged uh, their son into the limelight for a cheap political shot in a talk radio show. Uh, so, so used his son's dead body to attack Barack Obama and by extension um, other predecessors. If there's going to be a discussion, I think that's the discussion to be had, uh, exactly what is John Kelly's response to the President of the United States doing something that uh, no one, no president with any shred of humanity would ever consider doing? Um so he, has no, he, he brings up John Kelly defending himself, and he has no shred of humanity. But nobody's going to even question, only a woman from the BBC that Caddy Kay questioned Congresswoman uh, Wilson about what she's doing, about whether she was politicizing anything. You know, it, it is all the, the double, it's not, uh, it's beyond double standard. It's just hate. It is just hate. And all the news that's not being covered while they talk about this is the point. All the scandals that, from, that are coming out from the Obama administration, the real story about uh, Comey and how he uh, basically was drafting a letter in May before he had even talked to Hillary Clinton. He was drafting a letter in May exonerating Hillary Clinton. These, these are the news stories, and these are the things that are not being covered. Why does it matter? Why do I keep picking on the press? Why, why don't, aren't I getting into the substantive issues? It's because I think the press is at the heart of what is happening in this country. This is a divided country, but we're not a divided people. 
We're not a divided people. When you see the hurricanes hit uh, in, down south, you didn't see people knocking on doors saying, are you a Democrat or a Republican because I, I want to figure out whether to save you or not. I want to figure out whether to bring my boat from the next state over and row over. You know, you got to be of the same party. You didn't see that. You didn't see people saying, are you black, are you white? When people were risking their lives in the Vegas shooting, you didn't see people asking what political party you were from. You didn't see people... Only the press is selling this, and they're selling it because they're Democrats, and they're selling it for political purposes. They know they're setting a narrative. They're setting a narrative, and the narrative is that there is the Democrat side, you know, gay marriage, uh, government health care, all these things, and the other side is hatred. Let me just show you, just to go back in time for a minute. Remember, Barack Obama was evolving in his feelings about gay marriage. And, and this is an issue that I, I, I truly d doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I, I don't think, I, I'm always for more freedom, let people do whatever they want. If, if, I, if that can be done, if that can be done, let people do whatever they want and we'll deal with the problems as they come up. But Barack Obama didn't feel that he could say this. 2008, he, this is what he was saying. Um, do we have that cut? Yes, 2008 is number 17. I believe that marriage uh, is the union between a man and a woman. Now, for me as a Christian, for me, for me as a Christian, it's also a sacred union. Uh, you know, God's in in the mix. Okay, so it's a sacred union. God is in the mix. It's uh, gay marriage is not a good thing. Now. Uh, California then had Proposition 8, remember, that said there should not be gay marriage. They voted for it. It won uh, handily and was struck down by the court, which said, you have no right to pass your own laws. We, we are the court. We will pass the laws for you. Keith Olbermann, then working for MSNBC, comes on and he makes this speech about that vote. To me, this vote is horrible, horrible because this isn't about yelling and this isn't about politics. This is about the human heart. And if that sounds corny, so be it. If you voted for this proposition or you support those who did or the sentiment they expressed, I have some questions because truly I do not understand. Why does this matter to you? What is it to you? In a time of impermanence and fly-by-night relationships, these people over here want the same chance at permanence and happiness that is your option. They don't want to deny you yours. They don't want to take anything away from you. They want what you want, a chance to be a little less alone in the world. So, so if you agree with this, or if you agree with the sentiments behind it, you're a horrible person who just wants gay people to be alone in the world, but not Barack Obama. You know, but Barack Obama, this was 2008, same year that Obama was saying these things, before he evolved, right? But not Barack Obama. If, if everyone who voted for this was hateful, why wasn't Barack Obama hateful? They are selling you a bill of goods. They're selling you these lies. They're, they're setting up. I always say when you argue with leftists, you should never talk about people. Don't talk about Trump. Don't talk about Obama. Talk about principles. Talk about principles because when you go after them on principles, they cannot argue with you. When you go, at, you know, since all people do bad things, you get into these stupid arguments. Well, he did this and he did that. So, uh, you know... They are feeding, they are feeding the division that is, is really, you know, endangering our polity. It's endangering uh, the country. It is causing us to treat each other badly. And it's all of it generating from this hateful, churning with hate 
press that is spewing its hate onto us and toxifying our conversation. I want to get to this New York Times thing about Hitler, but Lee Smith is on the line, and I don't want to keep him waiting. So, so uh, Lee, are you there? I am. Nice to be with you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to see you. Uh, Lee Smith is the senior editor at the Weekly Standard, writes great stuff uh, all over the place. I saw you in The Federalist, uh, and I saw... I saw your piece about the Steele dossier in The Federalist. And the reason uh-huh. I wanted to have you on is because this this story, every time I read about it, I find it by the third paragraph. I can't follow it. It's so complex. Right. And in order to, for people to understand it, they have to remember what the Steele dossier is, and we have to give at least right. some explanation of the Magnitsky Act. So let's, let's, uh-huh. let's start with okay. what the Steele dossier was and where it came from. Okay, the Steele dossier was a, um, a file compiled by a Washington, D.C. communications firm called Fusion GPS. Um, and what it is, this is, the, uh, this is the premise for the Trump-Russia narrative or the Great Kremlin Conspiracy, as I like to call it, uh, that's been filling the, uh, filling the media, print and broadcast, for nearly a year now. Um, it was this uh, insane conjuries of, uh, unfortunately, pornographic fantasy, the different stuff that the president, uh, President Trump, was supposed to have been doing. Clearly, there's some disinformation in in there. Um, Clearly, there's also things that may be true. They may have actually heard different Russian officials saying different things to other Russian officials. Um, But that's—it's named the Steele dossier because the man whose byline was on it is Christopher Steele, uh, former— yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, th- this is the this is the document though that m- made Comey. I mean, Comey was kind of swayed right. by this, wasn't he? Um, I, I I think that Comey took a lot of it to heart, but it's unclear why, whether or not he was part of. I mean, look, what the Steele dossier is, it's political warfare, right? Um, it's political warfare, and Comey. It's unclear whether or not Comey was participating in a campaign of political warfare against uh, newly elected President Trump when he and other intelligence officer officials went and briefed both uh, outgoing President Obama and incoming President Trump on the existence of a nonsensical document that the press held off on publishing because none of it was verifiable. Okay. The, point of, the point of briefing President Obama and President Trump on this nonsensical dossier, and we can go into further details about why it's absurd, the whole the whole uh, premise of it. The reason that they briefed Obama and Trump was to put it into the open, right? So at that point, the press could report, oh, um, all of these press organizations already had the document. They would not publish it because they knew it was nonsense. They couldn't verify it. But it was when the intelligence community briefed Presidents Obama and President Trump on it, they thought that they could uh, go out and release this dossier, what it said. CNN was the first one out reporting on the briefing, and then it was BuzzFeed that same afternoon that um, <clears throat> that actually released the document. Oh, okay. So now now we've got the Steele document. I know, it it's, is a little complicated. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. No, I don't. I, I want to keep it as simple because it's very hard to yeah. follow. <clears throat> so we've got the Steele document. It's sometimes called the, uh, the um, you know, it's the thing with the Russian prostitutes and all this stuff. Right. So we've, we've right. got that and it's come out. Now, on the other side, we have the Magnitsky Act. And I don't want to get into the, the deep weeds, but the yeah. press okay. keeps basically saying, oh, this is about a Russian adoption, but it, that's not what it's right. about. The Magnitsky Act, Magnitsky was right. a, a lawyer who was basically murdered by 
Putin's Russia. Is that fair to say? Yes, he was uh, detained in jail, uh, mistreated, um, and, it, uh, and, and, and likely murdered. I it's mean, there's certainly a lot of evidence that Magnitsky was murdered in jail. By his by his captors, and so to so, punish yes, this is the so to punish the Russians, they passed this thing that has become known as the Magnitsky Act, right? Yes, Bill Browder, William Browder, um, had hired Magnitsky to look into uh, corruption against him. The Russian officials, uh, the Russian officials, pulled Magnitsky and put him in jail. So Bill Browder has been the driving force behind anti uh, behind the Magnitsky Act, which sanctions different Russian officials close to the regime of Vladimir Putin. And so Pu um, and Putin hates this because it makes it hard for them to get, feed right. their money out into Western banks, right? Is that Exactly. Okay. So it's a key Russian foreign policy goal to try to uh, dismantle that sanctions regime against Russian officials. Okay. And I know this is a big part of how Putin has bought his way right. to power, is, yeah. is letting people deal with the, you know, letting people basically buy up what the Soviet Union used to own and then send their money out to the West. Okay, yeah. so what, what is the connection between the Steele okay. dossier and the Magnitsky yeah. Act? The Steele dossier, as I said, was compiled by a Washington, D.C. communications firm known as Fusion GPS. So ostensibly, uh, they, put this, they put this out there to show that Donald Trump was going to collude, was colluding with different Russian officials for, in, uh, and the quid pro quo was he would win the 2016 presidential election um, with Russia's help if he promised to dismantle sanctions on Russia. So Fusion GPS put that document out there. Except Fusion GPS is also a part of the anti-Magnitsky campaign. They are working on behalf of Russian interests to dismantle a sanctions regime against Russian officials. So this, this propaganda factory has been hired right. by Russian officials to get to yes. propagandize against the Magnitsky Act. Right. So the thing that we have to look at, Dan, and this is something a couple of press outfits have mentioned that this is curious, but most of them have not. Most of the people that were watching, whether it's CNN, whether it's NBC, large parts of the uh, large parts of the print media, they're not putting together the fact that this company, this organization, is doing is doing on one hand is clearly paid by Russia, and on the other hand, the more closely we look at it, it seems quite possible. The Steele dossier is also a function of a Russian information war, war campaign. So, That's what this is. So, so I think that it's time that people look very closely at what this organization is doing. Thank goodness up on the Hill now, um, Senator Grassley is looking closely at this. Just yesterday, I believe it was, two of the two of Fusion GPS's principals decided to take the Fifth Amendment and not, not answer questions regarding the Steele dossier and probably anti-Magnitsky campaign as well. So so how does the press, I mean, we've been talking all week here about NBC and their right. incredibly corrupt behavior around the Harvey Weinstein scandal, you know, right. basically putting yes. the lid on their entertainment arm as well as their news arm. Right. But NBC was involved in this as well, weren't they? Yes. Uh, William Browder, uh, when I spoke and I wrote the long article for The Federalist, William Browder believes that Ken Delanian from NBC News uh, is working, he, he, he alleges that they're working in tandem with Fusion GPS. Wow. Uh, Browder, Browder also says, and this is a, I, I have this from a few other journalists as well, is that Fusion GPS is a very important uh, organization in the city. They, in, in Washington and in New York, they assemble lots of different stories 
and they put them out, they hand them out to people. These guys are deeply embedded in the press, in press circles. Browder said, <clears throat> Browder said that when he tried to get um, tried to get the attention of different editors here in Washington and in New York in what Fusion GPS the role they were playing in the Magnitsky campaign, they all backed off. The journalists, the editors backed off saying, sorry, Fusion GPS is much too embedded and our processes were not going to go after them. That you may have seen yeah, you, you may have seen yesterday also one more thing is that it's not just they have their hands in lots of very dirty campaigns. You may have seen a story in Fox News yesterday about uh, Fusion GPS's role in, uh, in, in, in um, smearing Venezuelan journalist Thor Halverson, um, Alec Boyd. Fox did a story on this last night. I reported this for Tablet Magazine about two months ago. So Fusion GPS, it's important to understand the different things they do. They don't just package, uh, package articles for journalists to pick up on. They also manage smear campaigns. Yeah, this is That's a big thing. That's what the Steele dossier is. It's a smear campaign against Trump. And they did this in Venezuela as well. They're did, doing it with Bill Browder. Did, did, did they, I mean, I know this is a big part of the news now, these guys who just mm -hmm. feed smears to the media, and the media right. use the smears so they don't want to alienate the sources of the smears. They want to, so, so wh what, what is it about Donald Trump that, and the Magnitsky Act, did the Putin basically think that Trump would not touch the Magnitsky Act, but maybe Hillary would, do you think? I'm not sure if it's that clear. I mean, my sense is that my sense is that an information operation like this, the target can't be too specific, right? So uh, for me, from the very beginning, the idea that somehow they were targeting, they were going after Hillary to ensure Trump's victory seemed nonsensical, right? They might have thought, who knows what goes through their head? Oh, yeah, we would prefer Trump. But these things backfire so quickly. An information operation has to be very broad. I think the, I think the target was, which they hit, which they hit, was to sow confusion in the American political system. That's what it. Look at how easily it backs. It backfires, right? They say, "Well, we're going to try to elect Trump," uh, and then they elect Trump. Then all this news comes out, and the president, who's actually in power, is like, "Well, I, I, I can't give these guys a break, or I'll look like I'm crooked. I have to come down even harder on them." <laughs> and the Russians have been doing information operations for a very long time. We'll go back to the uh, the elders of the Protocols of Zion. They know how to run information campaigns. This was supposed to be a very broad campaign. It was, and they've been hugely successful. Uh, it's, it's an amazing, thanks amazing. Partly, thanks yeah. partly to the American press. Who, thanks in large part to the American press. Who plays along, no question about it. Lee Smith, senior editor of the Weekly Standard. I know uh, you've uh, just been through, uh, through, through an ordeal yourself. I really appreciate your coming on. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very kindly. It's great seeing you. Thanks a lot. This is, you know, I'm, I'm reading uh, Cheryl Atkinson's new book, Smear, and she just talks about this, is that you cannot, this is, this is now a major part of the news business, is printing these smears that are fed to you by operatives, and Fusion GPS is among the chief, th this was basically perfected by the Clinton campaign when they were going after the bimbos, as they called them, uh, who Clinton was abusing. This is kind of, their, their, they kind of invented the modern smear, and it's being carried on like this. The one thing about Putin is you've got to remember, he could not have known that Donald Trump was going to be president of the United States. He must have been playing his game to wrong-foot Hillary because he must have thought she was, you know, and, he, and it sounds like she, he bought her. It, you know, it really does. Anyway, tracker. I love Tracker because I lose everything. <laughs>
<laughs> that should just be my entire ad. I love Tracker because I lose everything. T-R-A-C-K-R. And to get it, you got to go to thetracker.com. This is a new thing. It is about the size, it's between the size of a dime and a nickel. And you put it on your keys, say you put it on your keychain, and if you lose your keychain on your phone, on your smartphone, you have a little app, you press the app, and it will make a noise. And it will not only make a noise, it's kind of like Waze. There are a lot of different people, you know, kind of keying off it so it can locate where your keys are. And you can say, you know, I'll find it over. I'm getting closer. I'm getting further away. As you're walking, you can look at the app and do this. I have now used this three separate times to find my keys. That Wait, oh, three separate times to find my keys. And, you know, I, I hike and my keys fall out of my pocket. What happens to me is I'm, I'll be listening to something on my phone. I'll take the phone out of my pocket and I'll knock out my keys without knowing it. And then, you know, you hike down the mountain and by the time you get far away, it, it takes you 40 minutes to get back to find your keys. But with this, you press the button, you say, oh, I dropped my key somewhere that I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. And there they are. So what happens if you lose your phone? You press this little thing. It's, I'm telling you, it's like this big. You press this little thing and your phone lights up. Even if it's turned off, your phone lights up and plays a noise so you can find your phone. It is a great thing. You can put it on keys, wallets, even your cat. You can put it on your cat. <laughs> and, and, you know, you truly, truly put it on your cat's, cat's collar. Go to thetracker.com slash Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N, and you get 20% off any order. The Tracker, it's T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R.com, because we can't use vowels for some reason. And slash Clavin, you get 20% off any order. Thetracker.com slash Clavin for 20% off. Thetracker.com slash Clavin. For people like me, this thing, I mean, really, it is just absolutely indispensable. So I have to read you this New York Times column. I, let us go to the New York Times op-ed page, or as I like to call it, Knucklehead Row. Oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, oh. All right. Charles Blow, the most aptly named columnist at the New York Times because everything he writes blows. He wrote this column today, Trump isn't Hitler, but, you know the old expression that everything you say before but doesn't matter? Yeah. Trump isn't Hitler, but he the lying, the lying. He, so he starts out, he says, it is a commonly accepted rule among those who are in the business of argument, especially online, that he or she who invokes Adolf Hitler, either in oratory or essays, automatically forfeits the argument. The reference to Hitler is deemed far too extreme, too explosive, too far beyond rational correlation. No matter how bad a present-day politician, not one of them has charted or is charting a course to exterminate millions of innocent people as an act of ethnic cleansing. And yet... <laughs> and, but, but, yeah, but, and yet, I, I cannot believe the New York Times ran this piece. And yet, as many have noted, no person of sound reason or even cursory political awareness cannot be immediately struck by how similar Hitler's strategy of lying is to Donald Trump's seeming strategy of lying. Tell a lie bigger than people think a lie can be, thereby forcing their brains to seek truth in it or vest some faith in it even after no proof can be found. Guy writes badly, too. Trump is no Hitler. Hold the press. Hold the press. Trump is no Hitler. But 
But the way he has manipulated the, the American people with outrageous lies stacked one on top of the other has an eerie historical resonance. Demagogy has a fixed design. Just this week, Trump told the colossal lie that President Obama and other presidents, most of them, didn't make calls to the families of fallen soldiers. And once again, we see them taking what he said, which was not that they never made calls, but they didn't always make calls. Trump and Bush, they sent out form letters. It's, it's a time of war. The president cannot be on the phone all the time. But when called out about this lie, Trump quickly retreated to one of his shield phrases, that's what I was told. The world has seen powerful leaders use lying as a form of mass manipulation before. This is an amazing, amazing piece of trash that really belongs in a left-wing college sophomore rag. The world has been powerful, seen powerful leaders use lying as a form of mass manipulation before. It is seeing it now, and it will no doubt see it again. History recycles, but the result doesn't have to be, and hopefully never will be, again, a holocaust. It can manifest as a multitude of other lesser horrors in both protocol and policy, including the corrosion and regression of country and culture. That is the very real threat we are facing. That from the New York Times. Now, you know, all week, um, uh, our friend James O'Keefe over at Proger Project Veritas has been catching out New York Times editors of various levels who were basically just saying, yeah, we hate Trump and we run our stories to destroy Trump. That's what we're doing. That is what the New York Times is doing. We used to be a newspaper. Now we're a left-wing rag that runs stories trying to destroy Trump. So Dean Bag Baguette, Baguette uh, the, the guy I call uh, um, Blithering Prevarication the Third, is, yeah, Blithering <laughs> Prevarication the Third, who runs the New York Times, said it was a sin to do this. It was a sin to do undercover journalism against the New York Times. And he found the truth. <laughs> it's a sin. And, you know, the New York Times just did an undercover piece about the alt-right. They just went undercover. Yeah, but that wasn't a sin. But this is a sin. But luckily, luckily, James O'Keefe got the, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Cl Levy, Clifford Levy, the deputy manager, managing editor of the New York Times, he confronted him, and Levy explained everything. It just came out came clean. He was very honest and direct. Here's the video. Mr. Levy, James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. Is, uh, is Nick Dudek still working at the New York Times? You said you're reviewing the situation. Uh, we checked. He's no longer on the directory at the New York Times website. Any comment about Desiree Shu released yesterday? She she's a senior editor, and she said the same thing that he said. You said that Nick was just a junior position who did the unethical activity. So what do you have to say that now a senior editor has been exposed? No comment. Do you agree with uh, Dean Becquet, executive editor, saying that I'm a sinner? Okay. He is avoiding us. He is going into the coffee shop. Um, the deputy managing editor for the New York Times has ran into a coffee shop and is avoiding us at Project Veritas. We're doing the same thing that they do. We're asking them simple questions. Does their paper use their paper for editorial agenda? 
I just love that. I love that. And you know why? You know why they're acting like that? They're acting. It's. It is like Watergate. It's like just like you know the the public officials, corrupt public officials, running away from the press. And you know why? It's like it's a sin because they're the ones who decide. They are the. You know. Remember, like in Breaking Bad, I am the one who knocks. The New York Times thinks they are the ones who decide who's corrupt. They can't. It can't be them being corrupt. It's a sin to investigate them because they are the investigators. They are the ones who decide. And you know. If you want to talk about lies and you want to talk about Hitler, Goebbels used to say, the, you know, the Hitler's uh, propaganda minister would say that the way to do this is you keep repeating the lie over and over again until it's in people's heads. And this is what the press keeps doing. They keep saying, you know, the, the one I keep referencing because it's so powerful is Donald Trump said there were really nice people on the in the white supremacist movement. When you go back to the transcript, he's obviously saying there were really good people who, who supported the Confederate statues, but they just keep repeating the lie over and over again. So somebody, and we just heard from Lee Smith how, you know, Fusion GPS propagated these lies with the help, with the help of James Comey, with the help of NBC News, with the help of all these reporters who don't want to take these liars down. So when we are talking about the big lie... You know, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to make reference to Hitler, but the New York Times and the rest of the press have a lot to answer for stuff I like. All right. So yesterday in the mailbag, that really was a good mailbag. I really enjoyed doing that. Yesterday in the mailbag, somebody asked about scary episodes, scary things for Halloween, you know. And obviously I was naming some of the things I like, which I like ghost stories. But I was thinking that, you know, there, there used to be all these anthology shows. I've tried a number of times. They're, they're starting, restarting up uh, Spielberg's Amazing Stories, I think. But I've tried a number of times to get a new anthology show getting going. But the the, the studios don't like them because they're expensive, because you have to hire a new cast, new script, new sets every single time, and you can't do it the way you used to do it in a soundstage all the time, so it's, it's more expensive. So they don't like these things, and they're afraid they'll lose audience and all this stuff. So anthology shows have kind of gone out of fashion. We don't know if they've gone out of fashion with human beings, but they've gone out of fashion with studio heads, so they're not being made. But when you go back to some of these things, there were some really, really spooky stories and some obscure ones that only I know that are really obscure. <laughs> stories that only I know. One of them, now this one, Roald Dahl. Everybody knows Roald Dahl because of Charlie and the Cho Chocolate Factory, Matilda. What are some of the others? The BFG. Amazing the BFG, Amazing Mr. Fox and all this stuff. He was a wonderful children's writer, but he was also a really, really weird writer for adults. And he won the Edgar uh, several times, tw twice, I think, as many times as I've won it, actually. So, so he must be a really good writer. Yeah. I've been nominated five times, but I've won it twice. Uh, but Roald Dahl won, and one of the stories he ran, won it for was called The Landlady, and it is in his anthology, Kiss, Kiss. And his adult stories are really, really creepy. But what other things that people don't know, because I think it was a British thing, was he had a... Uh, an anthology show called Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected. And the landlady was one of their shows. And I remember seeing it, and it just sent a an absolute chill up my spine. It's about a British guy down by, I can't remember if he's in Brighton or whatever, and he can't get a hotel room, so he goes to what, uh, like a B&B, &B, a bread, bed and breakfast, and he meets the landlady. And here's just the scene where he first comes in. I always put up the chain at night. Safer. Mm. Welcome home, dear. Home? I tell all my guests that to treat my house as home. Home from home, dear. Oh, do put your hat there. 
And let me help you with your coat. Thank you very much. I expect you're from London, aren't you? That's right, yes. You find Bath so much more restful. Shall I lead the way? Oh, please. We have the house all to ourselves. The fact is, I'm just a teeny-weeny bit choosy. Particular, if you see what I mean. But yes. I'm always ready. Be prepared, as we used to say in the Girl Guides. Everything's always ready here. <laughs> it's just a very creepy lady in a place. Of course, it gets creepier and creepier. I don't want to give anything away. It's only a half hour. I personally, I, I would read the story because I love reading stories rather than watching them. But the, this is, and by the way, it's on YouTube. The whole show is on YouTube. You can just watch it right there. Another one um, from Twilight Zone. A lot of people don't know that the Twilight Zone came back in the 80s. A uh, color version of it came back in the 80s, and it was not very good. And it was kind of, I don't, I don't know, it just it, its time had passed. But the, there was one of them written by the great Ray Bradbury, and it was called The Elevator. And I thought, I thought this must be a short story, and I remember combing through, I have lots of collections of Ray Bradbury, I remember combing through every collection, but it wasn't. It was written specifically for this, and it is uh, two brothers, it's very short, it's like 15 minutes long. This you can get on YouTube too, it's worth watching. Uh, two brothers arrive at a closed factory, and their, their father has gone missing. And they know he's been in there. There's rumors that he's been doing some secret experiments and all this. And the older brother is, doesn't really like the father that much, but the younger brother is kind of idolizes him. And it's the relationship between these two brothers as they go looking for the missing father. Here's just a quick scene. Anyone here? What's the matter? Well, he, he told me never to come in here. He doesn't want anybody prying. He has gone mad. He's not mad. Why would he come here in the middle of the night twice a year? Maybe it's something that doesn't need to be tended to. Maybe something he's growing. Dad! It's really spooky. It gets spookier and spookier. And it really, it actually kept me from sleeping for about 10 minutes after I watched it. So it's, it's really good. Also, I won't play a cut from this because I'm out of time, but uh, The Hitchhiker on the original... Twilight Zone, if you've never seen the episode called The Hitchhiker, you can't get that on YouTube. You can, but it's all kind of, it's not, it's put up there by an amateur, yeah, so it's not, it's not really good quality, but you can always, I think the, I think uh, Twilight Zone is still on Netflix, isn't it? It's somewhere. Yeah, you can, you can yeah. get it, it's easy to get. The Hitchhiker with the best, one of the best episodes ever. Good Halloween watching, that is stuff I like. The Clavenless Weekend is not quite upon us because you can watch Another Kingdom on iTunes. Please go on and watch it, and please subscribe, keep uh, Michael Knowles employed, uh, it is a really good story, and the second episode drops tomorrow, Friday, which will stave off the Clavenless weekend, but then it will come upon you with a vengeance. But survivors will gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs>